play that funky music, dead boy. I don't want to scare anyone. But I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. Halloween season. Yay! Halloween! Move that funky pink sweater, Carrie. (laughs) Move that funky sweater now. (laughs) Sporting my mom's sweater. Hey, gang. DFM fam, we've got another special theme month for you starting right now. If you're tuning in right after this is released, well, we know who you are and where you live. Okay, at least what country you live in, according to the analytics. Hey, it's just past midnight, or whenever you're hitting that play button, come celebrate this month with us the way we like to do it. Halloween is 25 hours a day, 8 days a week, and 366 days a year. So that just means, Carrie, that we're extra Halloween-y in October compared to the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For those that have been pissed since August 1st, you know, that calendar day seemingly now every year that the stores started stocking those all too cute and completely clean-looking haystacks. They are too clean, Gary. Yes. It's not natural, but I I dig it still. They've got the Snoopy Great Pumpkin Coffee mugs already, the Fall Blankets featuring Sam from Trick or Treat that seem a little extra fleecy and makes me want to bleed my wallet dry, and the Headless Horseman's Leather Satchel Scented Candle. Uh, I reached for that one, Gary, all the while. Oh, yeah. Not being able to stand, seeing those pesky neighbors coming out before school was even back in session with their favorite Sanderson sister shirt on. Carrie, you have one of those, don't you? I do. And I wait till September. And and you told your neighbors, Carrie, that you were on your way to the spirit store that just took over at least one eighth of what used to be JC Penney's and your defunct shopping mall that is not quite yet holding the goal overflow because there's no more room left in hell. If that's you, Crankapus out there, do not turn off this episode. Carrie, we might be able to convert them. Maybe. maybe Halloween not. begins in August, motherfuckers. That's when it starts in this house. Uh, maybe not, especially if I keep swearing at them. And to the weather patterns out there that give me a sunny and hot day past Labor Day, what in the actual hell, Mother Earth? Uh, no, I'm here. Carrie and I and Jake, we're here for that crisp, cool air. And the burnt orangey brown leaves against a gray overcast day. Or a purple orange dusk. We'll take that with a cloud shaped like a hand that looks like it's going to choke the moon. We here at Died for Midnight celebrate the season when things get a little stranger and the veil between the living and the dead is stretching ever so thin. And guys like, well, let me reach back into my horror education. Enos, the truck driver, drivel. 
driver. <laughs> if he's drinking, he's the driver. Uh, or the local drunk guy named Ralph. Get a little crazy around this time. Start spouting out some really creepy local legends about what happened to the place you're about to spend some time at and cook for at least five dozen kids on a regular basis. Carrie, what the hell am I even talking about? What movie are we going to discuss and start Halloween 258366 with. Friday the 13th. Yay. Killer mommy. Killer. Yes. Episode 34. Get her, week mommy. Get her. One of our pumpkin spice month is called Mom Sweater Origins. I dig I dig the sweater that you're wearing, Gary. And if you don't get that reference, okay, stop what you're doing because we're a pod for apple crumble coffee cake love and spoiler hounds from hell. Go watch Friday the 13th, and if you haven't by now, believe me, I have questions for you. And then come back for the rest of us. Grab your apple cider. Carrie made me mention hot chocolate, I guess. Or the nearest thing that is the color orange and settle in, just as long as it's not blood from a silver shamrock mask. The male wolf. Holy smokes, he's not messing around today. He's already here. Male wolf, what is your favorite fall treat? Okay, yes. It was the last harvest moon and you're depressed. That's the last super moon of the year. Okay, dang, male wolf, settle down. No, we're going to focus on the setting and the shots of the moon and the original Friday the 13th. No, yes, I realize they emphasize the moon in part two as well. No, that's next week. No, I did not forget about our Friday the 13th poll. We'll come to that later. Listen, will you please stop holding out and tell me what Jake has to say already? Uh. Case and Carrie. Yeah, I had this dream about five or six times when I'm in a thunderstorm. And it's raining really hard. It sounds like pebbles when it hits the ground. I can hear it. I try to block out the sound with my hands, only it doesn't work. The sound keeps getting louder and louder. And then the rain turns to blood. And it washes away in little rivers. And then the sound stops. Ah, the wellspring. And that sound never really did stop. Good evening, all my friends and fiends. It's Jake, the midnight traveler here to tackle one of the faces etched on the cliffs of horrors Mount Rushmore with this and the next several entries. Arguably the biggest, or at least one of the biggest icons of the century that launched a multi-million dollar industry that is still showing signs of life to this day, yes. Tonight, we get ready for camping season as we tackle the original, Friday the 13th, and we try to last at least through several more nights as we sure got a lot of blood-stained ground to cover here. Why don't we start at the beginning, even before the sporting equipment showed up? It was late winter of 1997 when I finally did it. Years of fears walking into the horror section at Eagle Video with the chance of glimpsing that giant monster in the hockey mask had kept me in nightmares for longer than I cared to remember. But now was the time that was all going to come to an end. I had a sleepover set for my, wait for it, 13th birthday that year, and I was finally going to swallow 
all of my fears and watch all of the Friday the 13ths starting from the beginning. I surrounded myself with some friends from school that night and we took in this film huddled in front of the family room television overlooking the woods in my backyard. For years, I'd hounded my older brother who braved the numerous Friday the 13th marathons on the USA Network and listened to what Ever details I was bold enough to ask about. My imagination had built these films up to an almost unfathomable level of terror that I doubted I'd ever survive any viewing. No, that level of terror would be reserved for something else. My 30s. But when I was still that young, eager adolescent... I prepped myself for what I was about to see. Remember, folks, my family was slow to adapt to new technology, and this was still, for the most part, a pre-internet world, so a lot of the details were passed down secondhand from other kids or older aforementioned family members. There wasn't too much in terms of spoilers for me that night when I dove in with the lights out as the ominous Paramount logo came on the screen. It wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. Still, there were some jump scares that were well done, and it had a pretty solid cast with probably the best script of the entire series. Being the first film, this kind of had more freedom than the rest would have as the world it was to occupy wasn't fully built yet, so things could kind of be whatever they wanted to be. What it became was a damn solid horror film. All the characters are well mapped out and given a fair amount of depth, and unlike the rest of the series, this film does have some more handheld slash freeform camera work that gave it truly a more independent feel at times. Uh, Take, for example, the scene with Officer Dorf and the counselors. Everything kind of moves around and there aren't too many cuts. The camera work here looks like it's one of the casts as it pans around from person to person. This gives a lot of character to the way they shot this that the rest of the films simply just don't really have. The only gripe with any of the characters I have is with Officer Dorf. He is the only one here who seems hacky and just flat out wrong for the part. If I were Sean Cunningham, I would have directed him to do something else as his performance is the only thing that kind of takes me out of this picture. The rest of the cast I thought was top-notch. Adrian King, for example, should have had a much bigger career after this, and Betsy Palmer deserves every bit of accolades she received for being the badass that she is here. Robbie Morgan, Janine Taylor, Lori Bartram, Peter Brower, and yes, Kevin Bacon really did a great job here, and I think it very much shows on the screen. Behind it, Cunningham and writer Victor Miller also paced out the story very well from the pre-credit kills all the way to the final jump scares. The timing here is just near perfect in that you don't really feel like anything really drags as the night begins to fall. 
The tension slowly rises and builds as the shadows grow, and by then, it's killing time. The great Tom Savini, one of Pittsburgh's favorite sons, mind you, is on an absolute tear here, and all of his effects still look real even now. His blood recipe gives it a fantastic color that has the perfect amount of shading when it flies across the screen. I think my favorite of the kills is probably Bacon's in the bed. The close-up on the arrow as it makes its way through his chest never really seems to look hokey. Kudos to the guy under the bed blowing the blood up through a tube for the fountain effect as well. I tell you, this letter could be another thousand words, but I think I will have to stop it here. Uh, However, I think I'll have to actually leave you with another story. See, it was Halloween weekend in 2002 when I was an undergrad at IUP and living in Wallace Hall, as you so remember Case and Carrie. I fell in with a group of girls who lived on the first floor and wanted to watch some scary movies. Well, on my last trip home, I picked up my VHS copy of this film, and in Bree's room on the bottom bunk of her bed with Danielle sitting by my side, We threw this in. I honestly thought this would be a fun thing that they would all laugh at. Seriously. I mean, I love this film. But I kind of had a feeling that my peers here who had grown up with more options would scoff at this and look at it as, you know, corny. By the end of the first two kills, I found out I was 100% wrong. This was legit scaring them. Every jump, every shock, they responded. Wow, I just... I never knew that this film had such strong legs. All the while this was going on, I just smiled and waited for that last scare. You know the one I'm talking about, people. One of the best jump scares ever committed to celluloid that still works was coming up. Danielle, who was still sitting closest to me, seemed to relax as she curled up. Alice is in the boat. Sun is rising. Mrs. Voorhees is decapitated on the shoreline. Then out of the water comes Jason and, Ah! You shit! You shit! You shit! You shit! She says as she starts hitting me in the arms out of fear. Everyone else got pulled in as well, and I had to stick around and talk the rest of the group down for at least an hour before I went back to my room on the fourth floor. Good times. Situations like this seemed to be happening all over the world, and the land was fertile for a new icon to run amok. That night was just the first in a series of many for those unfortunate enough to find themselves anywhere near Camp Blood. And that night in Pittsburgh, where I made my entry into this saga which would consume my mind and serve as the final trick-or-treat costume I would ever wear, would bring me to this day many years and many miles later. So until next time... Be sure to sleep warm as we will return to the shores of Crystal Lake for the next chapter in the saga that was never intended to go beyond its first entry. See you next midnight, Jake. Jake, I appreciate you sharing the overview as always, Carrie. It's awesome, Jake. Listen, 
Listen, before we move on, if you didn't already know and are chomping at the bit for a new Friday the 13th movie, I want to touch on a few things, okay? Before we dive into this, some of the Friday the 13th, we still, listen, I'm a huge Friday the 13th fan. I still don't have a name for a Friday the 13th fan. We discussed this earlier this season. It can't be a counselor, but anyways, me and the other hardcore fans, we need to be up to speed on the state of the franchise, okay? Go read everybody a Collider article by Sean Van Horn as of September 3rd, 2023. Uh, Sort of officially the lawsuit came to end in 2021, two Septembers ago. Um, Victor Miller won, and if you don't know who that is, he is the writer um, he was found not to be an employee of Cunningham's hired just to write a screenplay. That means that he reclaims the rights to the franchise. Um, it was not a complete win for Miller. He does not get complete control. Uh, Cunningham, uh, the director and the original and the producer moving forward, even when he's not necessarily credited, kept control of the foreign rights. There's also one little piece of key information, Gary, that we got to cover. Um, you know, you might think the Victor Miller won, okay? Um, and you might say, great, bring back Jason. We miss him. Um, Michael Myers, he's been around recently, but Jason, it's been a long time, and we are way overdue for a Friday the 13th movie. And a part 13. Nobody's cashed in on part 13 yet. Wow. Okay. Now, here's the other thing. Cunningham keeps control of the intellectual property from the sequels. Uh, That means our writer of the original Victor Miller only retains the intellectual property from the first movie. If he wanted a green light of Friday the 13th um, about camp counselors getting killed at our favorite setting he can do that uh however jason as we will come to find out for those of you who haven't watched it spoiler alert he is not the killer in the original so he cannot use jason in a friday the 13th movie ah. okay um now fast forward from 2021 to 2022 okay last halloween season uh, we got an announcement that there's an A24 TV series still in production coming out in 2024, okay, for Peacock called Crystal Lake, okay? The guy Fuller from Hannibal, I think Brian Fuller from Hannibal is going to be the showrunner. Miller's going to be the executive producer. Even Kevin Williamson Carey. Um, there was news. I'm not sure the latest around that. There's there's stuff swirling around Kevin Williamson coming in to write. Maybe I got to check on that again. But how did they? How did Miller and company get around the issue that they can't use Jason or anything from the sequels? Uh, guys, a lot of you probably already know there's a prequel series. That this is going to be a prequel series. And Carrie, the word is Adrian King's coming back, but as a different character. So. That is the lowdown on the state of the franchise summed up. But again, again, guys, check out the Collider article by Sean Van Horn. Google that shit. Carrie, we're going to move right along to the movie posters 
and taglines. And, you know, when you talk about Friday the 13th, there's really two main posters here. We don't have to spend a lot of time on them. Carrie, there's the one that's got the silhouette, the outline of the killer, and you've got the cabin and the northeastern, northeastern woods and the moon, and then you've got the black and white going on with a red stained hunting knife. There's that classic one. Then you've got another one. And this other one, it's got the, the classic axe, bloody axe in the bed. The This other one looks like it was made for a novel. Yeah. Not a movie poster. Yeah. Okay, so Carrie, which one are you going with? So like, I, I like them both, but I prefer the one with a silhouette. It's, And you know what? They carry that over through the first three films, too. Yeah. It's kind of a classic look for Friday the 13th. Well, I do enjoy the hatchet, you know, in the bed, but it's... And listen, we're going to talk later about why the hatchet is important. People just think, oh, Jason went straight to a machete. Uh Uh-uh. Not true. Not true. We'll talk more about how many different axes played a part in this franchise hmm so taglines carrie i'm gonna let you take the first four maybe how's that sound okay cool all right right. start it off lucky 13 i think not yep if you think it brings bad luck you don't know the half of it (laughs) okay Okay. (laughs) i don't think we're a fan of that one yeah why the okay anyways um, well, I guess playing on Friday the 13th, that's what it's a play on. Uh, yeah, you can't half 13, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you can, you just, never mind, I'm not going to go into math. Right. Talking too much math lately. Okay. Uh, this next one is a head scratcher for me. Don't make plans for Sunday. <laughs> um, I could take that two ways. But doesn't, okay, so are they telling you that we're in for a long weekend of killing? Because if this is Friday the 13th, I guess they're saying you're not going to last. You're, you're not, not going to last. last. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, no, yeah. And I can also, I could also take it as the Lord rests on Sunday. I don't make plans for Sunday. <laughs> I also think I could take it as like, you're going to have trouble sleeping too. That's another thing. Oh, you know what? That, that's a cool way to look at it from like an audience perspective. I didn't think of that. That's actually really cool. Okay. What about the next right. one? One by one, they disappeared. Why? Watch the movie and find out. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll read some of the next ones. Don't. Hold on. Let me, <laughs> ah, let me finish God this last you. one. Don't make me grab that hatchet, Carrie. Let me finish this last one. Re, re, re. What? Don't count on making it to Saturday morning. Okay. So, so I think that one. Is, I see why you th- yeah. wanted to read that one. Yeah. Um, that's telling you you're not going to live through the night. The, somebody that was into marketing was trying to figure out how to use days of the week there a few different ways. Um, you you know me. I always like the more long-winded ones. Like I'm imagining the trailer guy reading it. Yeah. They figured it would be a long summer. What they didn't figure was that it would be a long summer that day. Eh, it's kind of clunky. Here, I'll do some more trailer guy okay. voices. You'll wish it were only a nightmare. Here's one I really love. Fridays 
will never be the same again. That's a good one. Okay. Or how about a 24-hour nightmare of terror? It's pretty good. That's pretty good, yeah. Um, I'll read the next one, and then you can finish okay. us off. This one's a classic. They were warned. They are doomed. And on Friday, the 13th, nothing will save them. I feel like that's the one that's most commonly used. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, I, and if I'm remembering correctly, that is on a trailer. Yeah. Um, okay, Carrie, round us out here okay. with the last three. You may only see it once, but that will be enough. <laughs> No, no wrong. wrong. I want to watch it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. On Friday the 13th, they began to die horribly one by one. Okay. Um, I'll do the last one. Oh, and this, and so, and so the wait, that last one, that was the UK theatrical yeah. one. Okay. Now this last one is from the deluxe edition DVD. Okay. Kale. Kill, kill. <laughs> um, does it include the word uncut? No, I don't think so. I took <laughs> I, I that as you, being it. Uncut. I think you butchered that last tagline, Gary. Okay, sorry. <laughs> well, sometimes I'm not you supposed know to read things. You were channeling. No, you were channeling Tommy Jarvis, who we're going to talk more about in, in the next episode. Die, 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 Tommy. Trish doesn't like the way he keeps going after Jason at the end of that one. Well, more on that thought later. Um, Carrie, do you have an idea for an alternate tagline for this? I'm not sure that we talked about it, did we? I know I have one. You, you have one. Let me think on it. Okay. All right. Okay, folks. Here's my... I don't know if that was a drum roll or a machine gun. Hey, wait. There you go. I'm not getting off track, though. That's not fair. Okay. They heard about their new play. Wait a minute. No, no, no. Let me back it up. Okay. Do the xylophone again. What the hell? All right. <laughs> Jesus. There you go. Now I'm like antsy as shit after you did that. Okay. Trailer guy voice. They heard about their new place of employment. They ignored the warnings and the strange dreams. Now, these eight young people may not make it past the curse of Friday the 13th. It's just a play yeah. on the common yeah. one is what I did. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. I'm scared. <laughs> Channel the sweater, Carrie. Channel the sweater you have on. Okay. Just anything random. Just do it. <laughs> do it. So you want to be a camp counselor. See if you can make it on Friday the 13th. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's been a long day, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I tried. Let me just drink some more wine. There you go. You know, Carrie, if you'd like to come back with another idea later, we'll accept two alternate taglines, okay? <laughs> um, listen, we, we went through the posters, we went through the taglines. It's time when you talk the original Friday the 13th. Let's talk about. The first actual poster, which actually was an ad taken out in Variety. Uh, guys, Google this, what I just said. Um, 
read up on this. This is horror education right here, if you haven't already. Um, Sean Cunningham took this one out in Variety, and it, and he was very smart in letting everybody know, hey, we got this movie coming out. I produced that says, from the producer of Last House on the Left comes, okay, the most terrifying film ever made. That's some balls. And we've got the classic Friday the 13th breaking through the glass on this variety ad. Now, this, yeah, this is making a pretty bold claim in an era where a little independent, independent film by the guy named John Carpenter uh, called Halloween already took the slasher world by storm a couple years before. Okay, actually just one year before because this was a 79 ad. Okay, um, but the most important piece of horror history as it relates to this ad, let's all make sure, folks, if you're Googling alongside of us here and looking at this ad, um, make sure to note of what is said at the bottom of this ad. Okay, it says produced and directed by Sean S. Cunningham, currently in production, available in November 1979. Okay, and it has the contact uh, info of Cunningham Films in Westport, Connecticut at the time. It's got his phone number and everything. Um, I love the telex number on the end, too. That really dates it. That kind of gives me a little chuckle and a warm feeling. But currently in production actually meant that he was working on getting a crew assembled means eventually he would get a scene film so this was a two for one so so not yeah but not just that currently in production so he's going after investors carrie okay now i was reading around about who some of the investors were i'm not going to name names right now because i can't 1000 percent verify this i saw some chatter online of people that lived in the area, there was an there a group of investors that instead of putting their large chunk of change into developing a mall, they took their money and gave it to Sean Cunningham for Friday the 13th. Now, not that long later, too long after this, I would say within 10, 15 years of this mall going up that they did not invest in because of Friday the 13th, the mall went defunct. It went out of business and everything People, I saw people online call this mall the dirt mall. <laughs> That's how bad this place was. Ooh. And they had told Cunningham that they are so happy that they made the right choice. Um, and can you, I, I don't know how the residuals play out for the investors and stuff like that. But oh, whole, I'm sure it's smokes. way much more than a mall. Every time that those investors walk through the dead malls, especially now, they're saying, wow. Boy, am I glad I didn't invest in malls because <laughs> this is going to keep paying and keep paying. Well, malls at that time were the new thing. Oh, my gosh. The the 70s. Yeah. I mean, our, one of our top favorite movies is about a ball, Dawn yeah. of the Dead. So um, physical media and streaming. Um, you know, we can talk about... Um, the collection a little bit more in next week's episode. But um, I Carrie, here's my question for today. How much are you willing to spend, let's say, on the very first Friday the 13th movie? I mean, this is widely distributed. Do you piecemeal this together? Do you start off just by buying the first? 
it's kind of hard just to buy the first. It is hard. I think for me, looking at this, the best deal. Yeah, but just let's just talk about. Uh, yeah, let's just talk about the the first one. Okay. Do you go for the first, or you don't go for the collection? Do you go for just the first? couple or the first four i think you go for the first four the first four yeah so here's the thing by the time you piecemeal that together you're probably over 20 bucks and so you've got these blu-ray collections for like 30 35 bucks for the first eight films so it's almost like you know if you're gonna go 20 or 25 add another 10 and you've got eight well that's what i was just gonna say oh excuse me you, what i was gonna say the best deal in my opinion here is is the blu-ray set for 35 dollars. yeah and you know we'll next week we're gonna get in a little bit more um about some of the bigger box sets so um let's move on carrie to creators uh, we went into the creators with Victor Miller as the writer, Sean Cunningham as the director of this movie. Uh, you can, there's been so much said about Sean Cunningham, especially in stuff like the Crystal Lake Memories, um, or even to go check it out on YouTube. Sean Cunningham, I'll say the a couple of movies that he mentions before Friday the Thirteenth um, were kind of like his version of Bad News Bears. Here come the tigers. And then he had another movie called Manny's Orphans. And then, of course, we have him here for Friday the 13th. The one thing I, well, there's a few different things I want to mention right here. But one of them is um, the movie Spring Break. The next one being Deep Star Six and then The New Kids. So there's not really a ton because pretty much what he's done in terms of Friday the 13th after the original has been okay, I'm going to be a producer. I'm going to oversee certain aspects. And that's about it. After, you know, the first one, he's not really involved as much. Okay. Moving on. Oh, I know what else I wanted to say. Huh, Sean Cunningham, producer, House, the House movies. You saw the first two. Remember the second one's really fun with the guy and his undead grandfather and the cute little caterpillar dog. Okay, you don't remember. You're just agreeing with me. She doesn't remember. I don't remember. Okay. But it sounds familiar. No, you need to see the re- at least th- House 3 and 4. Um, but Cunningham, he was involved in the franchise to some degree, even if it was just a credit or uncredited, all the ways up through the remake. And then there was that multiplayer video game that came out, I don't know, five, seven years ago or whatever. Um, the one thing that I wanted to note that um, if you're looking for something different from Sean Cunningham, that's more recent where he was a director, I can't confirm his, how much he was involved, but there's a movie in 2006. That's like an anthology movie called trapped ashes. Um, It's him, John Gaeta and Joe Dante, Dante, excuse me, Joe Dante. Um, It's been described as like tales from the crypt or creep show, um, it's like a love it or hate it anthology thing. And, uh, Dick Miller and John Saxon have roles in that movie. So if you're looking for something a little different, Trapped Ashes, 2006, check it out. Um, I'm going to move on to Victor Miller and give him a, some credit here, Carrie. Okay. You know, he has been involved, um, of course with the original, but he did like 192 episodes for all my children. Wow. Okay. He was a writer on Jason X. Um, and he did work, 
uh, on Here Comes the Tigers and Manny's Orphans with Sean Cunningham. So you look like you were about to say something, Carrie. So let's move right on to cast, Carrie. All right. Okay. We've got Betsy Palmer as Mrs. Voorhees, the former cook from the 1950s. We've got our heroine, survivor woman, Adrian King as Alice. We've got Janine Taylor as Marcy. Robbie Morgan as another cook, Annie, who runs into the previous cook at the beginning of this film. We've got Kevin Bacon as Jack in a little blue and yellow Speedo in this movie, Carrie. <laughs> Harry Crosby. Yes. The Crosby. Last yes. name. Bing Crosby's son. Mm-hmm. As Bill, who Alice is into and not so much into Peter Brower as Steve Christie. We've got Lori Bartram as Brenda. We've got Mark Nelson as Ned. And Ned kind of surprised me in this. I watch this at least once or twice a year and really hit home. And I think a lot of people feel the same way we do as about Ned in this movie played by Mark Nelson. We've got Rex Everhart. Now, IMDb, somebody go in there and edit this. He's not just the truck driver. He's Enos, E-N-O-S, the truck driver. So somebody fix that. All right. We've got Ron Carroll as Sergeant Tierney, who plays a really good bookend character in this film. He's at the beginning and the end. We've got Ron Milkey, who Jake and I have talked about this. He's a little too much in this role. He's a little too... Mayberry Barney Fife in his role as Officer Dorf. And we've got none other than the town drunk played by Walt Gorney, Crazy Ralph, who comes and is a little nervous about the kids. Going to Camp Blood, ain't ya? <laughs> I can nobody can do a good Crazy Ralph no. voice. Uh-uh. Okay. We're gonna rewind it back with the cast and go to the first two people killed in this film. And people are like, oh, you know, Ned's the first one killed in this film. Oh, Kevin Bacon. You know, Jack is the first one killed in this film. No. Wrong. Wrong. Okay. Uh, It's not even Steve Christie. Okay. It's not Officer Dorf. The cops make it in this one. Or Annie. Actually, wait a second. It's not even Annie. Good point. It is Deborah S. Hayes as Claudette and Willie Adams as Barry in 1958, one year after Jason drowns. And Barry's pulling up his pants after him and Deborah are fooling around. Barry's the one, the first one to get it. Yeah. Barry's the first kill of the Friday the 13th franchise. After singing Kumbaya and getting down to some hanky panky with Deborah, yeah, we weren't doing anything. We were just messing around. And uh, Deborah's like, oh. Getting undressed. You told me I was special. (laughs) He's like, you get the feeling Barry said this to a lot of girls to get in their pants. Then we've got some of the interesting town folk that don't really get a lot of love, but you do remember their faces. When when Annie walks into the little diner slash convenience store, you've got the country music playing. And no, not the banjo. We're not in the banjo music moment yet in the truck. We've got Dorothy Cobbs as Trudy. 
Um, and we've got Mary Rocco as the operator. Now, what I want to say is those two ladies walk in. Annie's asking about a bus ride. Right? Right. And they're like, you know, it's highly unlikely you're going to get a bus coming through here. You might be waiting for a very, very long time. So those were those two ladies coming. And that's where they say, hey, you know, so, you know, why don't you give her a ride? He's like, sure. Okay. Come on, Annie. I'll give you a ride. Um, now, this last lady I want to talk about a little bit. Maybe now, maybe later. Sally Ann Golden uh, plays Sandy. The, what is in real life, went up for sale not that long ago, the Blairstown Diner in New Jersey. Um, and yes, Blairstown, New Jersey is a big, big part of our setting here. Um, the place host to Camp Crystal Lake. She's Sandy. She's serving Steve Christie some food and Steve lays down some change. And, you know, there's debate on whether or not Steve gave her enough of a tip. But she's got a little thing for Steve and... Steve, uh, I get the feeling that Steve is a little bit flirtatious with everybody. Um, you know, Carrie, let's talk about, you know, who's your favorite character in Friday the 13th? Because there's a lot of good ones. I know it's Friday the 13th is not our favorite of the franchise. No. But it is a landmark. I mean, yes, there's the argument to be made that Cunningham said, I'm pretty much just going to rip off Halloween here. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have the I, second see, without the I don't agree with that. You, what? you wouldn't have the second movie without the first movie. Oh, so, yes, we would not have the franchise with Jason without this first movie. So, yes, this has to happen first, I suppose, if we're doing... We can't do revisionist history, no. okay? But... It's not like Friday the 13th was the only slasher going on outside of Halloween. It was the next biggest slasher, but I don't think you can sit there and say this ripped off Halloween. Okay. And, no. and actually it took some of the things Halloween did and reversed it a little bit. Yeah. And, and we've actually got more characters in this one than Lori's basically two kind of boneheaded babysitter friends. They're kind of, they're kind of um, ditzy. In Halloween. Yeah, it makes you wonder why she was friends with them. Yeah, I actually, if I had to say who would you want to hang out with more, the three girls in Halloween or the counselors here, it would be the counselors here, for sure. Yeah. Forget about the setting, just the people, the, the characters themselves. There's a lot more to these characters than the ones that are friends with Laurie Strode. Yeah. So that part, I don't agree with. They're, the setting's completely different. They are also a little older. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the killer. We don't have just some escaped mental patient right there's actual yeah revenge revenge yeah there's like some there's well <laughs> revenge is the best story told um some might argue told often and you know um uh, mother's love is the main theme here oh ferocious don't mess, don't mess with mama bear ferocious love yeah she might have gone a little too far though so okay given all that what's your favorite character so Come on, let's face it. It's Alice. I mean, she's the only one that has a sense that something's wrong. You know, this isn't what she signed up for. You know, it's not her cup of tea. And she's talked into staying by Steve. She's the survivor. She does what needs to be done. She defends herself. Okay? <laughs> I need a red scarf and short shorts now that you mentioned Steve. I just have to say, like... I don't think he's a creep, but 
but I did not like the way that he puts his hands on Alice. You're very tall. He's looking at her paintings. Is that how I looked last night? Or no, he says, is that how I look? And she said, you didn't look that way last night. And he's like, you're very talented. And puts his hand on her face. Very pretty. <laughs> it was a little creepy. It was a little It was creepy. like, you're kind of using your position of power there a little bit. Uh, yeah. It's like, oh, you could have said you were talented and left it at that. Yeah. You didn't have to put your hands on her. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, God. All right. So even though Alice, she's vulnerable, She's scared of shit, but she still takes the bitch down. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know? Yep. And, you know, speaking of, of Alice and the guy that she really actually likes, my favorite character, I'm going with Harry Crosby as Bill. Poor Bill. Uh, he's the most useful character. He chips in on all the chores around the camp area. Um, the most level-headed of the bunch. I mean, they're all smoking pot. All right. At one point, they're all passing around yeah. a doobie. Pretty tame stuff overall. Do's, do, do's. He does sound like our fourth graders now. He do's. He does do the uh, strip poker. Or not strip poker. Strip monopoly. I'm so used to saying strip poker. Strip monopoly is very unique to this movie, by yeah. the way. I don't hear too many people. What would you do last night? Oh, I was with these girls and they were crazy and we were doing strip monopoly. <laughs> Let me tell you, monopoly is a long ass motherfucking game. Yeah. Mm, poker can be frustratingly long, though, too. Especially if you're like me and you can't play cards to save your life. Um People, don't ever invite me for cards. I'm not interested. <laughs> That's a, a practice and frustration for me. Um, I'll play some AC Doocy here, go fish, and that's about it. Although apparently, I'm good at board games and I'm good at D&D. Just to get off topic for one millisecond. Apparently, when I'm not trying, I can be decent at poker because I beat all of my uncles and my dad the one time they showed me how to play at the beach. Yeah. Did you get anything out of that? Oh, yeah, money. Yeah, what, you were playing quarters? Yeah, still okay. to, as a kid. Well, well, you know what? Back then, what'd you do? Like, take it to the penny candy yeah. store? Nice. Nice. So, um, did you take it to Harold and Edna's convenience store from part three? <laughs> take that change in and get some half-drinking orange juice? <laughs> Maybe some half-eaten donuts? <laughs> goddamn Harold, wipe your goddamn hands in your ass. Ew. But not in that order. <laughs> we'll talk more about Harold and Edna next episode. <laughs> so, no, I, I mean... When you watch this movie for the first time, Bill is actually a red herring. He's chopping wood. He's got the he's got the machete going on. Um, he's a red herring for a lot of people when you first watch this. And you know, Carrie, his character kills the snake. Yeah. And before we move on to favorite death and effects, there is a big red flag that is the animal issue with this movie. Okay. Apparently, the snake handler was not aware of the attended fate of the snake. Some say that production found the snake randomly. I don't care what happened, okay? There's still controversy and secrecy as to who killed the snake. Tom Savini was not on set that day, according to a Twitter thing of his. It was a harmless bull snake. It was only a few seconds of film, and while I love this movie, shame for those that fucking intended this all along, whoever that may be. If I was part of that crew, I would have let the handler, whoever, have their way with the person who approved it and the person who killed the snake, short of a night in jail. And if I was the cop, 
I would have looked the other way. And if that handler story is true, that's his pet. And even if it's not, you can hear, I'll hold him back and you can have a few punches to the face and gut. Just know, guys, the snake's in heaven for well over the past 40 Earth years, living his best snaky eternity. Carrie, let's have, you know, I'm going to say 13 seconds of silence. Moment of silence for that snake starting now. Love you, snake. Not necessary. Sorry. Could have been left alone. You could have it didn't, done that. It did not have to. Now, even after the terrible act was done, it did not have to be included. And they left on the cutting room floor. Sorry, I'm a little. I'm getting a little heated. You you could have done it where a few did. seconds yeah. of film was not worth a snake's life. God damn it. So, anyways, I'm done before I get pissed, Carrie. So you could have made a prop look like a snake with the blood. I mean, yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's move on. That that this is our this is our one quip, and it's a big one with this film. Unnecessary. Thank God for PETA and them being involved, because um, it just sorry it irks me to the nth degree. So favorite death and effects, um, Carrie. I've got to go with Marcy. Okay, and the lead up to it telling jack played by the baconator about her dream the premonition about seeing blood i like the incoming storm you know where jack is saying hey this storm's no joke it's gonna come down that hill like a son of a gun or whatever he says and it really sets the mood for the killing spree that's about to begin and then of course the actual death of Marcy, the kill in the quiet, dimly lit showers. So that was one hell of a moment for those of you who love foreboding. Yeah. Okay. Because she saw little droplets and little puddles and rivers of blood. And then things just go blank. What she didn't realize is that she was dreaming about her upcoming death. Yeah. Her and that, that really gives me the creeps. It really does. That's the one kill in the movie where it's like, ooh, if if she only would have been able to read into it a little bit more, but hey, that's it. And, and it's just the mood in the showers and how quiet it is. And it's almost like when she opens up the shower curtains, turns around, and then she sees that ax coming out of her. It's like for that split second, she has the realization Station that, that she, oh, oh, my shit, dream, basically. Yeah. Here it is. Um. By the way, uh, Marcy, um, excuse me, played, um, and I'm trying to think of her name and I'm, and I'm blanking right now. Um, uh, Janine Taylor, excellent Catherine Hepburn impression, by the way, I, yeah. I, I stalled for a second, but I wanted to make sure that I remembered, um, what is the line? She's like, I always knew you were playing. She's talking to herself in yeah. the mirror. And then um, she even has like, what's that one poem she reads in the bathroom stall by like Billy or whatever, like 40 yards to the outhouse. That made me crack up. Yeah. So she had two really endearing moments yeah. before her death. And, you know, for a slasher movie, here's what I, here's what I want to say. This is where I'm, 
that's a little things like this is why I'm a bigger Friday the 13th fan than I am a Halloween fan. Think about kind of how ditzy Lori's friends were. And now think about the substance that you got from Jack and Marcy in their love scene. Like it was a much sweeter, more tender moment than go get me a beer. Yeah. And freaking the goofball that looks like Eric Roberts. <laughs> it's it's it just it feels like a cheap teenage sex scene. Versus this one was really sweet. She just has like one of the best horror sex lines ever. Like you are so fine, and he they're like caressing each other, and it's really it's like a sweet lovemaking scene. It's well, pretty tender. Well, if you think about, it, they are older. Yeah, they're older. But what I'm saying for a horror film, yeah. that's a good sex scene. That's yeah. not it's not a cheap sex scene. No. They genuinely like. I think are in love with each other. Yeah, like I think if there's a they, lot of meaning there. If they had survived, I think you would cut to it years later. They would probably have. Been and it wasn't married. like, hey, go get me a beer. Yeah. It's Kevin Bacon's character saying, "Hey, where are you going? Yeah, come, come stay back. in bed yeah. with me." He wants her in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's this is where I think Friday the Thirteenth is better. So. Carrie, what about you? So, of course, what's your favorite death? Spoiler alert: it's the beheading, the yeah. one with the the toothpicks. You know, Alice kills Mummy Dearest. <laughs> um, knock down, drag out. How about the use of slow motion in this movie? Great when finale! It, like the slow motion at the beginning with our 1950s counselors as they're about to die, and then it fades to white. Yeah, and then here the slow motion. Alice picks up the machete, turns around, and Pam's eyes get really, really big. Wa- like, ah. yeah, like ah. And then the music cuts she- in. Dun, dun, and she's coming out of slow motion. Yeah. The slow motion in this movie is really good. Um, okay. All right. Uh, you know, of course. Yeah, the Tom Savini toothpicks. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a great, great. Knockdown. Drag out, head banging into the ground, great finale. So I'm going to throw in a bonus because this is just a a classic movie, okay? Um, I'm going to go with, you know, of course, the reveal moment, okay? Where she's apparently dreaming, but maybe not. Listeners, what do you think? Do you think Alice was dreaming at the end there? Carrie, what do you think? I think that she was dragged under i think i think that actually happened and she somehow managed to break free and somehow so tired and exhausted that she's still in the water when they pull her Mm -hmm. but she's in the shallow yeah so you think jason actually is there in the lake like, let's just think about it within the confines of this movie. Don't forget about, you know, next week, guys, we'll we'll talk about some more of the movies next week, okay? Forget about part two and on. Just say, okay, this is the only movie that exists. Is that the look of Jason, or is that her trauma playing out? It could be her trauma playing out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that, near death... And she and she does fall in the water because even the cops say we had to pull you out. Yeah. Now, does pull you out mean out of the water or out of the canoe? Not I mean, sure. I I think it means that Whatever they probably you... pulled her out of the okay, water. Okay. Okay. Um, I think it's I think those last lines in the hospital are crafted really well to still let your imagination fill in the blanks. So, again, this being pulled under the water, waking up in the hospital. 
um, sets up a really creepy unsettling ending where Sergeant Turney, Tierney, tells Alice, Ma'am, we didn't find any boy. To which Alice replies, Then he's still there. And you cut to an ever so slight ripple in the water and the iconic closeout music. Bleak ending. Yeah. Very bleak ending yeah. to this. And and actually, can we just talk about these characters? I wouldn't say any of them deserved to die. I mean, when you really think about it. No, of course not. They were trying to do a good thing and open up camp for kids to come and, you know. Yeah, the inner city kids. Yeah. yeah you know, keep in mind, folks, that this is... The first time this camp is opening in over a little over 20 years. Okay. So this isn't like, hey, there's been some murders. People went missing, like in the remake, but we're going to come here anyways a few months later. Yeah. <laughs> or a no. month that, in the remake. It's a month and a half yeah. later, by the way. Um, or it's like, you know, in two, and we'll talk more about that next week. Like, it's only been five years. No. Yeah. It's been a couple decades. It's like, yeah. that's a decent amount of time to say it's probably okay. Yeah. It's probably okay. Um, but as Eno says, though, you know, those, the Jason drowns, the two kids are killed. 1962, the water goes bad. There's arsons. I think Crazy Ralph might have seen some things back in the early 60s. I'm sure. I've always wondered if Crazy Ralph also worked as a camp counselor. Was he one of the counselors from the fifties? I don't. I don't. Did he they... see Pam Ander Pam Anderson? Oh really? God. Okay. Did you see barbed wire? If you didn't, you're doomed. <laughs> I don't know. Pam Anderson comes into my head. Pamela I don't Voorhees. Even, I don't even. I don't even like Pam Anderson as a character, other than the iconic Baywatch. Fucking, fucking Freudian slip. Pam Anderson comes out. Oh my god. <laughs> You like Baywatch, don't you? <laughs> never come back again. <laughs> You're never going to make it. <laughs> oh, God. So, Carrie, I don't even know what point you were just trying to make because Pam Anderson just came into this episode. <gasps> Hi, I'm Pam Anderson. <laughs> I think See you my do, movie, Barbed Wire? I think you do a better impression. It's better than Showgirls. <laughs> My God. Okay. No. The point I'm trying to make is that these characters were all pretty likable. If you think about it. No, they are. They are. In comparison to most most horror movies, you know, you have those those roles and like those those typecasts that you normally get. You don't really like you get the like annoying guy, you get the like sensitive guy, you get the like you know, come kind, of, kind of like a guy guy type of thing. But you don't a guy guy. So like, <laughs> not like a jock, but like, I don't know. Yeah. You get those types, but you don't get to the extreme of that. Those typecasts in this movie is what I'm trying to make. Like, it's actually really hard to see when they do get killed. Agreed. This. Carrie, what are you rating Friday the 13th? Well, I'm not done with my point. Okay. My point is... My bad. Like, like even Annie. Did Annie deserve to die? 
No. No, I really hope you're not going to go through each character and ask that no, question. That's <laughs> okay. it. That's it. Hint, hint, Carrie. Yes, keep moving. <laughs> I got it. I'll do this for me. No, not really. Yeah, you know, you deserve one little bump of the xylophone. <laughs> okay, what are you rating Friday the 13th? I'm rating this a four out of five. It's a highly rewatchable movie. We watch at least once or twice a year. Uh, this is one of the first movies that we let the twins watch, eh, you know, when they were like four or five. Um, of course, we had them cover their eyes at certain parts, mm-hmm. you know, but it's this movie is part of anyone's dip into horror. Yeah. Initial dip. Yeah. 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 When I dip, you dip, we dip. Oh, do not. Please stop. <laughs> No, no, seriously, they're the same. I'm, I'm rating this a four out of five. Okay. Um, and by the way, okay, you know, I, I love this moment before it turns into a franchise. It's just a small little movie that's entertaining, can stand all on its own. And even if Cunningham, even if you said you ripped off Halloween, I even disagree with you. If you're, if you're the one that said that, I disagree with that. Because you had movies like, um, you know, Madman, The Prowler, The Burning. Um, there was even movies that came out after this that, you know, um, House on Sorority Row. That one's pretty unique. Yeah. Uh, Girls Night Out. Yes. Okay. Halloween made slashers cool. It kick, helped kickstart the golden age of horror. But... You know, let's ask ourselves, um, maybe, you know, what? I'm going to hold off for next week. Let's talk about where does the Friday the 13th franchise stand, especially in the 80s. OK, because there is a period of time where you could argue that Jason and Friday the 13th was king for a while. OK, um, not so much anymore. OK, because we're due for that 13th film, people. Um, the guy who plays Shelly is actually an attorney that gives updates. Uh, Shelly from three gives updates on Twitter, but, um, listen, I I love this. I love it on its own. Um, I usually just watch this funny enough. I, I hardly ever go one through four now next week. Okay. Um, we'll get into more about why we like to watch two, three, and four all together. Okay. At least over the course of a weekend. They're short enough. You can usually do a marathon in one night. So, guys, that means our official rating for our very first episode of Halloween 258366 is four out of five skull-splitting axes. For Friday the 13th. And now let's be clear here, Carrie, on Jason and axes, or let's say Pamela in this one and axes. The axe is officially the second most used weapon by a Voorhees family member. And no, I'm not entertaining Elias Voorhees' canon today, folks. So let's put that never use storyboard material away for another episode. We need to clarify, Carrie, what type of axe is used in this movie. Okay. You've got, uh, and yes, I did bring up a chart for this episode of yeah. the types of axes available. Okay. Google the engineerspost.com and look at this axe chart. 
Okay. The correct answer out of like, what is this? 16 different axes that I pulled up. Okay. This thing is either a carpenter axe Mm -hmm. or a splitting maul. Okay. It's not a hatchet, a tomahawk. It's definitely not a roofing axe. And while I appreciate a good handy fireman axe that no one ever really intends to use except the killer or survivor that finds it in a nearby emergency box, listen, uh, if this was like Jason meets Ash in 1300, then I'm sure he gets a medieval battle axe or a double bit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let, Google those <laughs> those names of axes. I, I was nobody's, nobody's getting the Viking axe ever. Okay. No. While I love the Womp Stomp films and the people there that that's the fan made friday the 13th um i needed to see a tactical axe or an ice axe in that never hike alone just just saying people okay i'm just i'm just i'm my first initial thought that it would make sense for it to be a carpenter axe because they're splitting wood they're building they're fixing things that would be the most logical choice yes but to be clear it is not the hell handheld tomahawk or hatchet Okay. And this is a good point because when you see an axe thrown in Friday the 13th, it is a big axe. And we'll talk about axes more next week. All right. What is up next? What's going on next week? Well, we've got an episode with Jake the Midnight Traveler. He's joining us. It's probably going to be somewhere between two and three hours for this episode, Carrie. Most likely, especially when there's three movies. Give Give me credit because that episode guide is tight it is okay so we are going in episode 35 week two of our halloween month we are talking the 1984 crystal lake massacre that spans three movies part two 3d and final chapter okay and yes we're going to talk about axes yes we will start talking about jason because with part two that's a launching point we're going to get into things like our favorite settings our favorite tracker score Something like, uh, you know what? I'm going to hold off and answer this question next week. We had a poll that ran on Facebook and on Twitter where it says, uh, pick your favorite prankster to invite to a weekend in the woods. Okay. Between Ned, Teddy, and Shelly. Okay. We'll answer that poll. We'll give you the results of that poll next week. Who's the biggest douche? Of course, Survivor, who's our favorites. We'll talk about that. Okay, and then to round out the month, 1020, we're going to talk John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. I love that one. We watched that one a lot, too. And Carrie, Donald Pleasance's The Priest wields an axe in this movie, Carrie. So that's why we went with axes. Episode 37, Brains, Return of the Living Dead, Jake's favorite zombie film. He'll be with us for that one, too. And a little bit towards the end of the month, we'll start talking about Hungry for the Holidays for November, December. Now, stay tuned after our Halloween-y intermission for Segment 2 of Horror Etc., where Carrie... What are you up to, Carrie? What's in Horror Etc.? So, I played around with if you had Friday the 13th set in 1997... Who would you cast? Hmm. Specifically 1997? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we, so not just 19 from 80 to 90 to 1997. Okay. Yeah. 
So this is like a 90s cast? Yeah. Okay, you recasted Friday the 13th for a 90s audience. Yeah. Okay, all right. I have one question before we break for intermission. <clears throat> Are any of these people from a WB show? No? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> not not as much as you think. Okay. I'm di- wait a minute. Like, here's another question. Here's another question. Without saying. Car- Carrie, here's what my last question. Did anybody, was anybody in a Scream movie? <laughs> no? Ooh, nobody in a Scream movie, maybe. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Anybody from uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer movie? Maybe. Getting warmer. Love you guys. See you for segment two. Hello? Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? What do we have in store for our ghouls and gals? So, if Friday the 13th movie was made in 1997, <laughs> this is who I decided would be cast. Now, if you think about it, there was pretty much the original Friday the 13th. It wasn't very many big names. So, keeping that in mind. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I could have gone the route of picking super popular people, knowing full well that they would never have been in this type of movie. I'm listening closely, because if I hear a name that I think was super popular in the 90s, you're in trouble. I said super popular. 
Um, if one of them wasn't, so I know what you did last summer. <laughs> That's not the name of the movie. So I kind of know what you did last summer. Naughty, naughty. But okay, I'm going to shut up now. All right. I'm going to shut up now. Friday. So I'm walking and I'm seeing an ad in, I don't know, Entertainment Magazine. What's this movie? It's like October 1997, this issue. I'm looking down. says the cast of the up and coming Friday the 13th slasher. Now, and keep in mind. It's going head to head with Scream 2. Now, keep in mind. <laughs> Who's starring in the one that's competing with Scream 2? Keep in mind. Betsy Palmer was a well-known actress. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Right. Okay, you sure you don't want to save the big one for last? No. Okay, all right. We're so just, you're going right, I'm right going into... right to it. Oh, my God. Are you... Are are you going to pull what's-her-name from Roseanne, Carrie? No. As Mrs. Voorhees? No. Because, you know, she was Mrs. Loomis in Scream yeah. 2. Yeah, but no, no. <laughs> she doubles up... Laurie Metcalf doubles up and plays Mrs. Loomis and Mrs. Voorhees in the same year. So I have two possibilities. Oh, I feel like you're cheating now. No. So I think my favorite of the two... Mrs. Voorhees. Oh, I'm I'm getting scared. Okay, who is this? Jessica Lange. Wow. Okay. I did not see that coming. I really like that. What was your thought behind that? Just, I loved her in Big Fish. And she has always been known to go there emotionally. Okay. And I think for this part, you need to be able to go there emotionally. I'm glad you didn't go Kathy Bates route. I was thinking, or Kathleen Turner. Because she also can go, like, crazy. Oh, yeah. Okay, and they they were both alive at that time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 1997? Okay, I'm just checking. Yeah. Jeez. I think with your sweater, you're turning into Pamela. You're getting a little maniacal over there. <laughs> that wine doesn't seem to be working very well. Getting a little uptight about your list. All right. Sorry. Moving so right far, along. So how pa- am I doing? Past, well, you've only named one, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Die, you dog. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> See, this is how you kill Pam Voorhees in my house. Get her to choke on some wine. <laughs> That's right. So you know what, Carrie? <coughs> I'm not sure Pam would have picked a fuchsia sweater. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first one I could find. I know, I know. I'm just messing with you. I think Pam would be a little less maniacal. This is like Pam Voorhees and Legally Blonde or something. Came out in the pink. The, her knife has a pink handle on it <laughs> and her jeep is pink okay. hey guys want to come in my car <laughs> wait a minute what are we talking about <laughs> do i want to come in her car <clears throat> this is you know there's movies out there this one will be called not friday the 13th <laughs> if you know what i'm saying okay <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm not going there. No. I'm not going to say, uh. sorry, Mrs. Voorhees, I'll clean up your Jeep. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. We're getting out right. of hand now. For Alice, my choice is Alyssa Milano. Mm, no? Not feeling it. Not okay. feeling Alyssa Milano. Okay. <coughs> all right. So what was your thought process there? Well, hey, oh. <laughs> I thought she would play a really good survivor. Alyssa Milano. Okay. All right. 
She did she did a couple horror films. Yeah, and she was starting to get into charmed around this. Oh fuck! See, okay. I knew it. All right. Is it? See, I knew CW was gonna come into play. Yeah. All right. Or, wasn't charmed on CW or WB? I don't know. Come on, it was on the same channel as Dawson's Creek. I don't. I can't remember. Okay. okay. All right. So Alyssa or- Milano, Jessica Lang, Ashley. Carrie, I'm calling bullshit on your not big name list. We've got two pretty big names. <laughs> okay. Alyssa Milano. Okay. Right. From Who's the Boss? Boss? Yeah. All right. Hey, we better make it out of this woods, Angela. <laughs> or you have, and here is a bigger name. Oh. But you're going to like this one. Okay. Jennifer Love Hewitt. As Alice? Yeah. Okay. Okay. She's got that Alice-y vibe. <sighs> I'm going to throw, I'm going to, yeah, she does. I'm going to throw a name your way. Of, of, and this isn't necessarily who I would pick, but this is the route I would go. Rose McGowan. I think, I, I, is there somebody that's got that fair-skinned look for Alice? I'm kind of, I'm hung up on the fact that Alice looked way different compared to the other girls. Rose McGowan would be better no, 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 suited what, for but Do you see where I'm going with that, yeah. though? Like, Alice was fairer skin. We had a bunch of brunettes in this movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, you know what? I would have to go. I like both of those, but for the supporting girls, not our heroine. Okay. All right. Not so, the drug, the survivor. All right. So Janine Taylor is, as Marcy. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking Marcy. All That's right. my favorite kill. Okay. I'm thinking you go with Carmen Electra. Oh, Carrie, or, no, no. Carmen Electra. Oh. Or Samra Shagalar. Okay, that's so much better. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Carmen Electra. <laughs> Carrie, okay. you said there was no big names in I know. this. Well, you lied to us, Carrie. <laughs> okay. Well, at the time, I mean. No. Okay. No, 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 no. Right. no. I had Carmen Electra in a Maxim okay. magazine back okay. in the day. Sorry. Don't tell me a Carmen Electra right. wasn't big. Okay. Okay. All right. So as Annie, I have Selma Blair. Take your Carmen Electra and Selma Blair and switch them around. And that's how I feel about that. Okay. I feel like it would work with Carmen Electra if she was like a kill and like... I could see if this came out in 97 and like, oh, wait, Friday the 13th is going to do their own opening kill like Scream. Oh, wow. They got Carmen Electra. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I look at that. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it through the 97 lens. So. Uh, okay. No, okay. I don't. Listen, I don't hate any of this, but you have a bunch of famous names in here. Okay. All right. So for Jack. Ooh, this is the Kevin Bacon character yeah, now. Yeah, I have... <laughs> I have two possibilities. I thought you were about to say, I have Tupac. <laughs> I, thought, I swear to God, the way you just pause, I'm like, Tupac's in this? <laughs> okay, no, you have two possibilities. Okay. No. California love. <laughs> So. Crystal Lake. <laughs> <laughs> now you can't get Tupac out of your head now. Oh. I ruined it for you. You did. So I have James Vanderbeek. 
Oh, wow. Okay, I actually like that a lot. I like that a lot. And wait, wait. The best part is Car- Carmen Electra and James Vanderbeek together, Carrie. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, now I'm on, now I'm on the ridiculousness of Carmen Electra and James Vanderbeek together. Okay. All right. All Carrie, right. were you drinking when you did this last thing? <laughs> no, you know, you're supposed to say yes, I was. <laughs> Just having a good time with you. All right. So, Bill, I have Christian Slater. Oh, okay. Okay, Christian Slater. I dig that one a lot. Hey, I'm all for 90s Christian Slater. Okay. Very cool. All right. Very cool. No, I like that one a lot. Brenda, I have Christina Applegate. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Monopoly thing and... Okay, now quippy, wait a second. The quippiness. The quippiness. Okay, who almost fucking kills her by shooting an arrow near her fucking face? Who's Ned? Who's Ned? Please don't tell me. Is he a mega comedian? I swear to Christ, it better not be. <laughs> you fucking did it, didn't you? <laughs> you fucking picked Jim Carrey, didn't you? No. Oh, thank God. <laughs> no. No. Mega comedian? Okay. It's still a mega comedian, though, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking know it. <laughs> oh God, who 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 is gonna be crushing on Brenda, shooting her with an arrow? <laughs> Gary, answer the question. Who's Ned? Gary, who's our nineteen ninety seven Ned? Jack Black. Jack Black. I fucking love that. <laughs> I so love that. Oh my God, Jack Black. Yes. Okay, that's the home run for me. That's the home run for me out of this group. Awesome. I love it. Jack Black is Ned <laughs> going around Officer Dorf with the, the headdress on and his undies. Sit on it. I could see him dancing around in the headdress. I mean, look, that's problematic today. Yeah. The headdress thing is very problematic, okay? But <laughs> Jack Black is Ned. <laughs> I could just see his freaking crazy eyes and shooting the arrows and and um oh my god. So He would make a really good kill. So oh Jack Black in a Friday the thirteenth movie? Hell yeah. But um Oh no, so Brenda Christina Applegate would be giving him CPR. He fakes his drowning and he forces forces a kiss on her. Oh my god, I could see Christina Applegate and Jack Black playing off of each other. Yeah. Okay. Dude, I actually think Jack Black, like, it's hard because he wasn't big back then. This was, like, even pre-Tenacious D or right at the beginning of Tenacious D. Maybe, yeah. It's like nobody's definitely, excuse me, hit my elbow off the damn DVD rack. Uh, No, that, like, that would be amazing with Christina Applegate and Jack Black. He, He actually is the glue for your casting here. Yeah, I think so far. So did you, is that it? Or did you like go down to oh, like no. even the cops and Steve Christie? Oh, yeah. And, oh, nice. Okay. Awesome. All right. So this is, I struggle with Steve Christie. Okay. Per, you personally, did he touch your face too, Carrie? <laughs> no, but I thought, and I have two choices, but I think I'm going to say the one that I really like more than the other one. Okay. Paul Rudd. As Steve Christie? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm picturing him 
I'm picturing him in uh, Anchorman, <laughs> Brian Fantana with the mustache. Yes. And the short shorts. Yes. I could see it. I could see it. But you know what? Here's the thing, though. I, you know why I love that? Because he's the older stepbrother in Clueless. He's the older character yep. of the bunch. Yep. Um, I'm, wait a second. Who? Okay. I, I'm sitting there watching Paul Rudd shirtless with short shorts on, chopping wood, telling the campfire story. Who, wait a minute. Who is our Alice again? No, 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 no. That, that's Paul in part two. That's Paul in yeah, part two sorry. does the campfire story. I know so, you're getting excited about next week. Jennifer list. Love Hewitt. Okay. <laughs> so Paul Rudd is looking at Jennifer Love Hewitt's paintings <laughs> saying, is that how, is that really how I looked last night? Or is that really how I looked? That was last night. And saying, you're very talented and you're very pretty touching her face. Paul Rudd would be kind of creepy in this, I guess. Um, and Paul Rudd puts his yellow raincoat on and, did you cast Sandy, the woman at the diner? Holy shit, you went deep on this. Okay, now is it Sandy's turn, or has we got our two cops yet? No, we have we have our we have the the truck driver. Oh, you dude, you casted Enos, the truck yes. driver. Yes. Oh, I am impressed. Okay, who is it? John C. Riley. <laughs> That's another fucking home run. I love it, Carrie. <laughs> Hi, Annie. Now, who's Annie again? Who's Annie? I'm picturing... Selma Blair. I'm picturing Selma Blair in the truck with John C. Riley. Stupid kid. Stupid kid. And then and then Selma Blair says to John C. Riley, you're an American original. And he's like, you're an American original. <laughs> I can fucking see this. John C. Riley. And let me just throw in my favorite John C. Riley moment from Cedar Rapids. Go ahead. I'm R2-D2, the muff diver. Beep, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I have to. You know I freaking love Cedar yeah. Rapids. Cedar Crapids, as he says. Okay. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. So I'm loving Jack Black. So what happened? Your first few cast members, I was like, oh, no, they're bigger names. And But then when you started rounding out the guys here, now I'm liking the women that you casted because of the way they would interact with the yep. the dudes that you're yep. casting. Okay, no, I'm loving this more and more. Okay. okay. Fucking John C. Riley and Jack Black in this movie. I love it. Okay. All right. So, Sergeant Tierney, Paul Dooley. Okay, remind me who Paul Dooley is. Okay, she's showing me the picture. Oh, oh, the freaking dad from um, uh, 16 Candles. Yep. Oh, the dad from 16 Candles. I love that too. That's a really good one. And so he says to Jennifer Love Hewitt at the end, ma'am, we didn't find any boy. Mm-hmm. And we also forgot your 16th birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that is good, Carrie. Okay, this other Damn, one. I, I struggle with Officer Dorf. So, <laughs> excuse the, me. Okay, who's the Barney Fife-ish type guy on the motorcycle? Almost slipping and sliding in that motorcycle. <laughs> Matt LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc. Oh my God. Are you serious? Dude, he was huge though. I know. Okay. So, All right. All but right. he wasn't doing movies. <laughs> but he wasn't doing movies. He was on Friends though. Yeah. That, but you know what? People be, people be like, oh my God, Joey is the cop. I could see him on the motorcycle, freaking Italian cop. And that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Never keep the chief waiting. I could see him being like machismo a little bit. Okay, now I like 
<laughs> that is so fucking kooky. Fucking Matt LeBlanc. But he wasn't doing <laughs> movies then. No. Up. Uh, he did. Uh, what was the space movie? He did do that one space movie that bombed. That was it. Mars Attacks. <laughs> no, that was a fun movie. I don't know that that one did well either. It did but, not do well. Okay, but that one was actually like so bad it's good or purposely yeah. bad it's good. Yeah. So anyways, no. Uh, anything else? We Do we still need to do Sandy, the diner Hold on. waitress? Yes. Oh, shit. Okay, damn. We're going. Crazy wow, Ralph. <laughs> crazy who? <laughs> Ralph? Oh, he's so cute. He's crazy Ralph. <laughs> All right. So this is a big name. Ooh, okay. Robin Williams. Oh my god, <laughs> Carrie! I, you're going nuts on this list now. You're going nuts. <laughs> hey, going to Camp Blood, ain't you? <laughs> I could just see him like on cocaine. Okay, yeah, because you know what? Oh no, this is 1997. Robin Williams. Yeah, he was starting to do like one hour photo <laughs> kind of stuff. You know, Robin Williams is crazy. Ralph. <laughs> <sighs> I'm just picturing it. <laughs> The best part is him on that fucking bike in the drabby looking brown vest and he the brown hat. He was the one person I could see pulling it off. He had the Jewish guy saying, I'm a messenger of God. I'm here to warn you. And also say some really crazy things. Because I'm Robin Williams, the town drunk. Oh my God. Robin Williams. So you've got Robin Williams and Jack Black and Paul Rudd in your 97 Friday the 13th movie. Oh, my God. I, I really want to see how this would play out. Dude, you've got to give Sandy some love. Are we there yet? Are we no. Sandy? Okay. Okay. All right. So, Barry. Okay. Who the fuck is Barry? Oh, the first two yeah. kids. Okay. All right. Okay. We're really going deep here. All right. Okay, so in this world, these would be kills from the, that happened yes. in the late 70s. Yes. Okay, all right. All right. Late 70s intro kills. Jerry Leto as Barry. Okay. All right. I could see that. Jerry Leto. And he was in Urban Legends a year later. Yeah. So this movie mm. establishes him in horror before right. Urban <laughs> Legends does, apparently. Okay. All right. Claudette. Brittany Murphy. Oh, I really like that a lot. I like that a lot. I like it. Again, I probably could have switched out Carmen Electra for an opening kill to have more Brittany Murphy. And a, so, you, oh, damn, Carrie, you've got two Clueless alums in your 97 Friday the 13th. I like it. I like your style with the Clueless actors. Okay. Okay, cool. Trudy. Okay. Who's Trudy again? She's like the clerk at the store. With the oh gas. my God. You did the clerks too? Yeah. Okay. Dang. Okay. Not the movie clerks. The clerk in, in this movie. Trudy. Laura Flynn Boyle. Okay. Remind me of who that is. Laura Flynn Boyle. Oh God. I didn't realize you still had to look it up. No, I know who she is. Damn. You're making me wait this long on Sandy. Oh, no, I totally could see that. Okay, cool. All right, so who's the operator woman? Okay. All right, Allison Hannigan. Okay, what has she been in? How I Met Your Father. Okay. Or wait, no, How I Met Your Mother. Okay, yeah, got it. Sorry. Okay. The Redhead. Oh, yeah. That's my Alice. 
She's my Alice. That's if if you ask me to do it with the names that yeah. you have, she's my Alice. Okay. Okay. All right. <coughs> All right. Are we at Sandy? Beloved Sandy, the waitress, the Blairstown no. Diner waitress. Hold on. Let me pull this up. <laughs> the deep dive on the little side diner character. I love it. Okay. Natasha Henstridge. Oh yeah, where did where do you remember her from? Oh, she's been she's been in a ton of things, but listen, Case, she's the goddamn diner waitress. That's she's all you. She's been in a now. lot of like Lifetime movies. Oh, that's perfect. Okay, all right. Okay. Damn, digging deep into Lifetime. All right, I love it. Is that it, Carrie? Or nope. we? Oh my nope. lord. <laughs> the doctor. Now. Oh my god, the doctor at the end. Yep. Dang, yep. okay. Who's the one staring over a tyranny as Alice is raving on about some boy that dragged her under? All right. So for those of you who like Doctor Who. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. He's an English actor. Paul McGann. He oh. played the eighth Doctor Who. Nice. He's the doctor. I like it. Okay, very good. Are we done yet? One or more. did you get the bug on the windshield no, to cast one that more. one too? One more. So, Jason. Okay, so this is, okay, the little boy that Tom Savini's working on. He's drowning. Okay. Stuff. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, chef's kiss to that one, Carrie. That one, the Jack Black, those are my two favorite. I I will say... I would pick like two thirds of what you picked. Two thirds. I had no one to play off of. It would be boring if we would pick the same people anyways. Yeah. So guys, that does it for Horror Etc. Stick around next week because we've got Friday the 13th, part two, 3D, and final chapter. That's right. Jake's joining us for the full episode. 1984 Crystal Lake Massacre. Love you guys. See you for week two of Halloween 25-8-366. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>
19. Friday, the 13th, no! part no! two. 